I love rainy day. I don't know about you. I know some people are a little disappointed. It's uh, not sunny. I know some people have different plans to go to see garden, uh, but hopefully you can see the garden uh, inside of us in the church. Rainy day, it's time to reflect. I love rainy day because I think coffee tastes better in rainy day. I think you can truly reflect what grace is really about. Just taking a moment, just a few extra seconds a moment, just to reflect about the grace, the gift of a special, special grace that our Lord Jesus Christ has died to give it to us. So we are continuing our series on growing in grace. We all want to grow. Whether you are 14 years old, whether you are 80 years old, when we were starting from the time that we receive that grace, we become a baby, we become a child. And God desires us to grow with the grace. Receiving grace is a one-time event. It's a gift, something that we all know. But once we receive it, we are called to radiate its fragrance. Remember last week I mentioned about the gift that I received my Christmas day. I received the cologne. And a week ago, and I was just looking for things in my closet, I found this gift that I received in Christmas time. In fact, I don't even know if this was past Christmas or Christmas before. It was a gift, but it was never opened, and I never knew I had it. It was in the closet, deep, dark. It never got a chance to give off its fragrance. Our grace is like that, too. Once we receive it, we need to release its fragrance. That's why Peter said to us in Second Peter Chapter 3, 18, but grow in the grace. It's not just one-time event. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now from the time that we receive grace and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's the word of God for this morning. So when you receive the gift, the ultimate gift of grace, we become a baby. We become a child in grace. We are to grow in grace to its maturity. If you look at this chart that's before you, we work so hard to receive and to give this grace grace to others who does not know it. And we work so hard convincing them you don't have to do anything to receive this grace. It's a gift that keeps coming as long as you have faith in Jesus, that he is truly the Son of God. And we have 
And most of us have received it. But what this text, the scripture text is telling us, okay, you got that grace. Yes, you are saved. That's not what it ends. It's just the beginning of releasing that amazing fragrance. That's what we are called to do. Whether you are 14, whether we are 70, we then become the baby from the time, from the moment that we receive this gift. God desires us to grow from babe to child to adolescent to adult. And the funny thing is, even though sometimes you may feel that you have reached the adulthood, the maturity, and next day we kind of slip back and start all over again. We grow again from the babe to child, the adolescent, and the maturity. And we go through that cycle. But ultimately, it's all about attaining its maturity in grace. I just returned from Milan, Italy. I was there for five days with uh, Janice and uh, Juliana. Uh, it was, um, I was invited to speak at Christian Businessmen's Committee in Europe. About 250 to 300 people gathered. I uh, spent two and a half days. Uh, had a great and wonderful time fellowshipping and just uh, reigniting and everything, just loving and in hugging together, everything was all about growing in grace. Now, something about Milan, uh, Italy. It was the first time for me to visiting that particular city. It was absolutely beautiful. The rich in art, fashion, and wow, the history of Christianity. It's just everywhere. Every facets of their life, it's about the history of Christianity. Now, somebody told us that when you're in Milan, you must go and see the original painting of the Last Supper, painted by Da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci. Now, I have seen so many, so many duplicates of the Last Supper, not the original one. Now, that's the right picture and the lower, this little dark image, that's Juliana standing there. So I took a picture uh, from the behind. Now, this painting is about, I have to say, about uh, 30 foot by 20. It's pretty big. It's the one side of the entire wall, and it's located into that, in that white building to the left. And that's really the only uh, image that you see in that particular uh, uh, place. You can't just walk up and visit this place. I was told that you have to make a reservation months and months before. If you just go to Milan and try to see it, you'll never get a chance to look at it. So we were fortunate enough to be able to go and visit. What is amazing is that 
when you look at this, it's kind of faded. It's a faded because this painting was not done on traditional canvas. When a painting is done on a canvas, it lasts for a long, long time because the paint gets to really soak into the, uh, the fabric of the uh, canvas. But this was painted on a wall, sort of like, I don't know exactly what was made of at that time. Think of it like dry wall. It was all dry, and then you paint. It doesn't last too long, and that's one reason why it's faded. And that's one reason why you can't go see. You only have, you have to make a reservation. They only allow like a handful of people uh, to enter into the chamber to see it at a time. It was just a surreal. <clears throat> How in those days, all those people, they just pour out all their minds, souls, and strength and faith to depict the grace of Christ. And how their lives were intertwined with the, their desire to grow the grace in their lives. And you see that evidence everywhere in Milan. You will recall in the book of Mars, even even book of Mark, even the disciples, they did not know the meaning of grace. In fact, they had no idea what the grace was, even until Jesus was ascended to heaven. But as soon as they understood what grace was all about, they immediately began to grow in grace. How did they do it? They did everything first together for the Christ's sake. They showed us what it means to have received grace and what it means to live, to grow in grace. One of the disciples, Bartholomew, for him much of his life was not really explained in the Bible. But uh, many writings, the collective writings in the Catholic, when you go to Catholic vault, they have writings about Jesus. I don't know exactly when I studied it. It was a huge room, perhaps about this size room. It's an entire uh, chamber. It's filled with writings about Jesus. Everything that's in there, the entire vault or the library, the vault, is condensed into this. So Bartholomew, his life, after Jesus ascended, there wasn't much whole lot of talk. But according to the collective writings of Catholic, Bartholomew went to the barbarous countries of East. You see, Peter, Paul, Spent lots of time in Italy and Greece and Middle East. But Bartholomew, he was brave to go to Persia, there would be Turkey and beyond, and even to India. Now, people of East, because he was filled with grace and was ministering and preaching about the grace, the kings of the East tortured him. You know how they tortured him? They tortured him by flaying him. Flaying him, it's meaning it's they skinned. They tortured 
him by peeling his skin from the head to toe. This sculptor was so filled with the amazing grace that engulfed this Bartholomew. Why would he do that, risking his life? And he wanted to create the sculpture. If you look at what it looks like, a drape that he's holding, that's actually Bartholomew's skin that's been peeled off. He, the sculptor's name was Marco the Great. He wanted to show to the world what the growing in Christ, growing in grace, looked like. Willing to go and beyond the boundaries. Bartholomew, he received grace so much that he couldn't contain himself. He had to go out and show that Christ is the only hope. Bartholomew grew in grace. Scripture Marco the Great too grew in grace to remind us generation after generation that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the one reminding us that we too need to grow in grace. Another day we drove out to a place called Porta Fina. It's a little village near the water. It's a beautiful resting place by ocean. It's a very, very popular place, and it is a very expensive place. It's kind of place where all the rich people want to go buy a land and build a mansion or vacation house. But look at the landscape. I noticed that the landscape was so well balanced. What struck me was that this particular view, if you look at it, there are just two major components in there. One, man-made buildings. And the second, God-made natural surrounding the creation. Both were well balanced. Just enough man-made building nested in God's creation. If you travel to most of other countries in a popular destination like this one, will be so saturated with man-made roadways, buildings, and high-rises, even commercial signs, you will not see the trace of God's creation, the natural form. That will be the one lower left. I came to have a tremendous respect for the people of Italy, where the belief in Christianity was the backdrop of all their arts, paintings, sculptures, and buildings. As such, even their city, Milan, was planted with a focus on church. In the center of the city is a church called Duomo Cathedral. 
In most of American cities, in the center of the city, we have city halls. Italy, in the center of the city, the church. It's where God's grace is to radiate. It's a place where we need to grow in grace. That Duomo Cathedral that's in the center of the city is the fifth largest Christian church in the world. It has over 3,400 statues made all out of stone. They create a canal system to carry the stone from the mountain so they can build this. If you look at that outer ring, there is a canal around the city. And to the left, you see the canal going towards the left. They use their canal system to bring the stone from several, I think it was two, three hours away by driving to bring all those massive, massive stones to this place. And that's how they build it. It took them 600 years to build this. And they're still not finished. Can you imagine 600 years? How many generations is that? It's not six. It's not 12. Maybe 15 or 20 generations. Can you imagine every single one of the uh, uh, craftsmen, sculpture people, that would spend entire life chiseling away in their attempt to show the grace of Christ. Entire life. Their inner life, as well as their physical surroundings, reflects the amazing grace. So what is the big idea of today's message? Growing in grace is having fellowship with Christ. These people, for 600 years, just about every cathedral took 100 to 300 years to build. In order for them to build every single one of them, even though they did it for their livelihood, I'm sure, but it's about the purpose of making sure they live in grace. To be able to show the world, to be able to radiate the fragrance of grace to others. So what is having fellowship with Christ? Having fellowship with Christ is doing life with Christ. These people did life doing what they did. Can you imagine just spending your lifetime from the morning to evening, six days a week? I'm sure they rested one day since it's a Christian-related church for your entire life, chiseling away those stones to create that image that radiates the fragrance of grace. All those scripture, scriptures 
the 3,400 scriptures. It's all about what's in the Bible. What is doing life together with Christ today, with the fellowship, is doing life with one another. That's the ultimate command from our Lord. Today, we don't need to spend our life chiseling away the stone, but we need to be spending time peeling onion layers with one another that I mentioned last week. It's doing life with one another, sharing, eating, and praying together. We grow together by peeling the layers of onion. When you peel the onions of our life, it is going to hurt. It is going to cause a lot of tears. But by peeling, we get healed and we grow in grace. By peeling, you can reconcile with one another, continue to grow in grace. And by peeling, by tearing, we come to the point of brokenness where God is chiseling our minds so that we are formed into his likeness and continue to grow in his grace. Growing in grace is fellowshipping with Christ. Yes, fellowshipping with Christ is doing life with Christ and doing life together with Christ calls for action. Calls for action. So the bottom line is this. Belief in Jesus calls for action. That is why John chapter 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's to grow in his grace. The grace that we have received as free gift, it does not stop there. It simply gives us a hope to be able to enter the kingdom of God. But we still live here, and we have a purpose. We have a ministry to do, and that is to grow in grace. Those who are growing in grace will do the works of Jesus. Verse 12 clearly says the works of Christ. All those artists, all those painters, all those sculptors, city planners, they did the work of Jesus by carrying out his message. How about Bartholomew? And the sculptor Marco D'Agriate, they too, in their own way, they did the works of Jesus. Those who are growing in Jesus, in grace, when you do grow in grace, that's when we give glory to God. Through having that intimate relationship. The intimate relationship is what manifests this amazing grace. 
even Jesus did what pleased God. When you are growing in grace, you do what God wants us to do, not what we want to do. Even Jesus said in John 5, 19, so, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing. God, Jesus says he can't do anything of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever Father does, that the Son does likewise. If our God, Jesus, did not do anything in his accord, but did everything that God desired him to do, what about us? What about us? John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's Jesus speaking. I know it's hard even for us to come halfway because we are filled with things that we want to do. God is calling out for us to do the will of God, not what we want to do. but what we don't want to do. Look at all the godly men and women in the Bible. They all did what God wanted them to do, not what they wanted to do. And when they did that, it gave glory to God, and they were all exalted. If you want to go to missionary so bad, it looks like so profound and so committed and so sacrificial. If you want to go there so bad, you should ask yourself, is that what I want to do or is that what God wanted me to do? So what are the things you don't want to do but there's tugging in your heart right now to do? That's what you're supposed to be listening because Jesus did exactly the same thing. What are some of those things? Simple things. Like after service today, this morning, you can text message to a friend that you have not seen for a long time, saying things like, I miss you and I am so sorry. That's growing in grace. That's giving off the fragrance of grace. That's doing the will of God. And that's growing in grace. Now, the word grace is both noun and verb. It's noun because it's a fact. It happened. It's a history. It's a free gift. It's a salvation. God did everything. He did it all. It's a state of being. And yet grace is a verb. Once received... God wants us to change it to verb. Change to action. As receivers of the grace, God desires us to turn that grace, we know as noun to verb action, 
doing good for others. Jesus used a verb to describe his action, his works in ministry. He did not say, I am your savior. He did not say, I'm your king of kings. He showed us how to grow. I came to serve. That was his verbs. His life was all about this. This is how he manifested. Showed us what growing in grace is about. And later, as he ascended to heaven, he didn't say, be a great and wonderful disciples. He didn't say, be a great leaders. He said, feed my ship. He said, follow me. He used verb. Four verbs, two verbs he lived by, to save, to serve us. Two verbs that he commanded us is to feed one another and follow him. And the bottom line is this. If we save, if we serve, if we feed, if we follow, what are we doing? We are growing in his grace.